Jeremiah 31, starting at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that his waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, If the heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Our second reading is from the letter to Titus. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, Nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Emergency, code red, DEFCON 1, 999, threat level midnight. This is what is going through Paul's mind as he writes verse 10, for there are many. They can seem like harmless words, but as he writes, there are, present tense, many, multiple false teachers at work, deceiving people on Crete. Take action, Titus. How big a problem do you think people being deceived by so-called Christian teachers is. 
Where does it rank on your list of concerns, on your prayer list? What are you doing about it? Paul thinks it matters. The four in For There Are Many connects this passage to last week's, giving the reason why appointing transformed Bible teachers to lead churches, what we saw last week, is so important. As you came to St. Helens today, you will have passed many buildings where a false gospel is being preached. Many people today being deceived into thinking that they are okay with God when they're not, who will be cut off from God forever if they don't get told the truth. I think we're aware of it, but I know I'm often not that bothered about it. Maybe we're tired about hearing about it from this pulpit. Maybe we feel resigned to it. But Paul isn't panicking. Rather, he calls Titus, our William or Anarin, to urgent action. You see, when faced with counterfeits, the solution is to flood the market with the real deal and remove the fakes. So Paul wants to flood Crete with truth teachers who will rebuke the false teachers. Which fits with Paul's key salvation principle in this How to Save Crete manual. 1 verse 1. Knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life. Appoint truth teachers. It produces Christians who live godly lives. This gospel saves the lost. Well, today we're going to see the urgency and the necessity of doing this. And we'll see that we all have a role to play. But who are Titus and his army of truth teachers to rebuke? Well, Paul gives Titus a two-step tutorial in how to identify false teachers based on our critical relationship. Knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. First, look at their teaching, their truth. And second, look at their lives, their lack of godliness. Let's zoom in on the first part, their teaching, what it is, how has it gone viral on Crete? Point one, if you're following along on the handout, point one, lies. Their teaching is deceptive and deadly. Well, Paul's urgent tone throughout the passage reflects the deadly nature of this false teaching. Please look back down with me in your Bibles at verses 10 and 11, page 1200 if you've closed them. Verse 10 and 11, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. There are many insubordinate, that is rebellious teachers. Their words have nothing useful in them. Worse, they are deceptive. Paul tells us of the effect of their teaching and their motives. They must be silenced because their teaching is upsetting whole families. Now, upsetting there is a very weak word. The word is more like destroying. Families, whose lives have been transformed by the life-giving gospel, are being ripped away from it by those teaching for shameful gain 
what they know they ought not to teach, doing the opposite of the true teachers, undoing their work, teaching lies for cash. Verses 13 to 15 give us a window into what they're teaching. Look back down with me. (coughs) Midway through verse 13. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Now, Paul doesn't tell us exactly what their message was. We can say that they have turned away from teaching the apostolic gospel, the word of God, to teach Jewish myths and human commands. Just imagine you had a new starter in your workplace and your boss gave you the company training manual so that you could train them. But as you run the training, you you admit what you don't like and you add in some of your own rules and you mix in there a bit of the company gossip and you teach them that, that would be completely unacceptable. How much more so with God's gospel? God has revealed the truth to us. Teachers must teach it and not change it. Well, Paul's instructions telling Titus how to deal with these liars suggest that their deceptive teaching has two aspects to it. First, powerless purity. This circumcision party, they appear to teach that you must do certain Jewish Old Testament commands to be pure in God's eyes. Under the Old Testament system, eating certain foods and doing other activities meant people were unclean, cut off from God. These teachers are saying that avoiding some foods or doing some rituals is still needed to be pure in God's eyes. But Jesus Christ, he appeared and by his death has done away with the Old Testament purity laws. You see, purity was never an external thing. Those Old Testament rituals were visual aids to help us understand sin and the inner defilement that it causes, that cuts us off from God. But anyone who's believed in Jesus's sin-bearing death and has been washed by his blood is pure. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. Christ's death has made us clean in God's eyes, inner cleansing. All things are pure to the Christian. Not that all we ever do now is perfect, we still sin. But we can't be made unclean by external things. We can't be cut off from God. But, but they teach, if you want to be really sure you're pure in God's eyes, you just need to get circumcised or eat the right foods or keep the right religious days or even abstain from marriage. It's a lie. Jesus' death is enough to purify us. These acts are powerless to purify. It is a wicked, deadly thing to tell people this. Some of you may know that uh, earlier in this year, a group of us at the 6pm visited one of our mission partners, Peter Maturi, in Kenya. Now, I'm a little bit of a nervous traveller, so I packed loads of sun cream and mosquito spray 
and some water purifying tablets that we had to use occasionally. Anyway, on our final night in Kenya, Peter just casually dropped into conversation that cholera had been found in their water supply two weeks earlier, so they were boiling all their water. Well, I almost fell off my chair. I, I think he didn't tell me to stop me from worrying. Turns out those water purifying tablets that I packed were essential. But just imagine for a minute that those tablets were fakes. And we drank water that we thought had been purified. Potentially fatal. How much more deadly is this false teaching? Making people think that they are pure when they're not. But some of us may have raised eyebrows at this moment. Hang on. This is basic stuff. This is Mark chapter 7. Christianity explored week 3. Why are the Christians on Crete falling prey to this kind of false teaching? What's attractive about it? Two answers. Firstly, the false teachers say that they're offering something that the Cretans don't already have. They're offering them purity and twisting the Bible to back it up. Oh, we're the real God, guys, not Paul. You want to be really pure? You want to get closer to God? God just wants you to do this extra ritual, tick this extra box to make sure you're really right with God. Look, the Old Testament says so. But it's like a Venus flytrap luring you in, offering you something you think you don't have. It's deadly. People teach the same sort of message today. It can be common in Roman Catholic or Orthodox teaching or Anglo-Catholics or liberals in the Church of England. They still talk about Jesus. They look religious. They have an air of authenticity which makes them harder to spot. But any message that downplays the truth, that Jesus' death alone is enough to make us right with God, is deceptive and deadly. In Kenya, just this year, hundreds of people died in a cult where they were taught, you'll meet Jesus if you fast. I am so sorry if you have been taught a form of the Christian gospel That is false. Please keep listening to our series in Titus as we think about what the real gospel is. This alone is reason to urgently want to raise up people to teach the truth because many people today are being deceived into believing a deadly false gospel. Our world tricked into thinking that Christianity is about what they perceive to be dull, unnecessary, okay for you but not for me, religion. That is not the gospel. But there is a second reason why this teaching is appealing, which is the second aspect of their deceptive message. Part two, camouflage Christianity. You see, their teaching is so focused on doing certain religious acts that they either don't teach or actively permit in their teaching sinful behaviour in the rest of life. I've called it camouflage Christianity, teaching that doesn't encourage Christians to live transformed lives out in the world, just blend in. In fact, camouflage Christianity is the inevitable product 
of teaching a message of powerless purity. The truth leads to godliness. Lies leads to ungodliness. That's why Paul spends chapter 2 describing the godly lifestyle to counteract these lies. Now, of course, it won't be presented in this language. Remember, it is deceptive teaching, hard to spot. But if you board it down, they say the thing God really cares about is you carrying out these religious acts. But God is fine with you doing what you want in the rest of your life. They might even justify ungodliness by twisting, misusing what the Bible says. It's appealing because it removes the demand to live a publicly Christian life. But that is not the real gospel. It's Christianity without the cost. The gospel is not a how to blend in manual. God's strategy to save our ungodly society is to send out Christians to live radically distinct lives in the world, shining adverts of the glorious gospel of Christ and the lifestyle that only it can produce. Just imagine for a minute the woman who broke it off with her non-Christian boyfriend because Jesus teaches that sex is for marriage only. But now these teachers are telling her she'll have a really close relationship with God if she follows the church festival calendar and goes on pilgrimage. That's what matters. And so she drifts back into that relationship. Can you see the appeal of that sort of teaching? Or the Christian who has changed how he behaves in the office. His colleagues hate the fact that he won't lie anymore or crack crude jokes about the boss. But now these teachers just say he needs to focus on church stuff. Be at mass every week to get in God's good books. And he goes back to his his old ways. Fiddling the spreadsheets. Bad-mouthing the boss in the group WhatsApp chat. Camouflage Christianity is not Christianity. It cuts against God's salvation strategy. I don't know if you've ever seen a minor celebrity out in public. I walked past the actress who plays Gail from Coronation Street, sitting unnoticed on a bench. I know it because my mum and my gran are big fans. Anyway, my my in-laws who are My in-laws who are with me, they egged me on to get a photo with her, which I sent to my gran. Anyway, I bet we pass celebrities all the time, but some of them will try and blend in to avoid being noticed by annoying people like me. Sure, when, when they're out on the set, you'd spot them there, but in public, they don't want to be seen. Camouflaged. Be the best at religion on Sundays. That's what God really cares about. But you can blend in the rest of the time. Beware of teachers who approve of ungodly lifestyles against the plain teaching of the Bible. This teaching is rife within the Church of England. Yes, their reasoning today may be different. Oh, the world will never accept the Bible's teaching on Christian behaviour. It's outdated. It doesn't really matter. Lies. You cannot play pick and mix with God's truth. Beware of teaching that requires religious observance rather than radically transformed living in our offices and lecture halls, in the gym and the pub, in the boardroom and the bedroom. As our society gets more ungodly, camouflage Christianity will become increasingly appealing. 
many people today are being deceived. Do we care? How to spot a false teacher, point one. Their teaching is deceptive and deadly. Powerless purity, camouflage Christianity. How to spot a a false teacher, point two. Ungodly, their lives expose their lies. Ungodly, their lives expose their lies. We said last week that the key mark of a Christian teacher is that the gospel has transformed them. These false teachers, they have a religious veneer, but Paul shows that they are the kings of camouflage Christianity. Their lives are ungodly like the rest of the world around them. Paul's criticism is threefold. Their lives are Cretan, impure and God-denying. Firstly, Cretan. I wonder, did you think that verse 12 sounded like an odd tangent? A bit like lobbing in a Shakespeare quote in the middle of a work report you're writing. Paul throws in a quote from a famous Cretan writer writing about Cretans. Well, Paul says that this quote describes the lifestyle of the false teachers. Look back down with me at verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them, that is the false teachers, sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. The false teachers live lives just like the Cretans in the culture around them. And they affirm this lifestyle in their teaching. These teachers are liars, twisting the Bible, not teaching the true gospel. They're lazy gluttons. They have uncontrolled appetites, just in it for the cash. They're evil beasts. Their behavior is wicked. Anything goes morality dressed up in religious clothes, an appearance of piety, no different to society. Paul doubles down in verse 15, nothing that they do is pure. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. You see, if you don't believe in the purifying death of Christ, or if you seek to add to his purifying work, You remain defiled, impure. In fact, nothing you do is pure. Paul has his spiritual CT scanner out to analyse their defiled inner beings. Because they have rejected the truth of Christ's purifying work, they remain impure on the inside. All that they think and do is impure. What they believe And the actions that they approve of in their conscience are defiled. They cannot think rightly or make godly decisions. This actually explains how someone who seems super religious can also teach camouflage Christianity. Super religious yet super permissive. Some of you may have asked, can the two really coexist? It's a great question. Well, it's plausible. Rather, it is highly likely because when someone rejects the truth of the gospel, they teach lies. Their mind becomes defiled, so they cease to be able to make godly decisions. They cannot approve the good life that God wants, so ungodliness will certainly follow. No truth, 
no godliness. And so Paul lands his knockout blow in verse 16. Titus silenced them because they profess to know God, but deny him by their works. They claim to be the God people, but their actions speak louder than their words. Their lives say the opposite to their words. Their behavior is cretin. They are, verse 16, detestable, impure in God's sight, disobedient. They don't submit to the apostles' teaching. And so they're unfit for any good work. Jesus graciously died to purify for himself a people zealous for good works. Titus 2.14. Take away God's grace, the engine that drives Christian change. You have no power to change. You can do no good in God's eyes. They profess to know God, but deny him by their works. Uh, You may have watched the TV show Line of Duty, where a unit of police officers, AC-12, are tasked with, as the boss says, nicking bent coppers. Uh, I shouldn't have done the accent. Uh, Anyway, if you've seen the show, you know exactly what I mean. Well, their job is to find corrupt police officers. The police, they're the, the good guys tasked with catching criminals, but some of them are corrupt they wear the police uniform. They look like the good luck. They look like the good guys. But their actions show that they are criminals and AC12's job is to expose them. They can't be trusted. They're dangerous deceivers. Well, the false teachers are the same, claiming to be the god guys, but they deny him by their lifestyle. They wear the religious clothes. They're in the religious buildings and the recognized denominations but they haven't been transformed by the gospel. Their lives are just like people in the world around them. Those who follow them will learn by their example. These teachers must be rebuked in the hope that they repent. How to spot a false teacher? One, listen to their message. It's deadly and deceptive. Two, ungodliness. Their lives expose their lies Well, today's passage is a call to action in three areas. Firstly, beware of this sort of false teaching, this false gospel of powerless purity, camouflage Christianity. Secondly, our personal godliness. Instead of camouflage Christianity, we must be committed to living transformed lives in the world that are shining adverts for the gospel of Christ. This is a crucial part of God's strategy to see our world one for Christ. And we all have a role to play. And remember the glorious grace of God, the engine that drives transformation. Thirdly, there is an urgent need to raise up more Bible teachers. Appointing transformed teachers is step one of God's plan to save London. We need to flood the market with transformed teachers to teach the truth and rebuke those who contradict it. I guess among some of us, there might be a hesitancy to step forward into some form of Bible teaching ministry, maybe serving in RML or Sunday school. It is a weighty, but it is a vital task to teach the Bible. 
Many of us should be involved in some sort of Bible teaching ministry. I'm so thankful that as a church we run our associate scheme to train Christian leaders, men and women, to teach the Bible. I'm so thankful for how, as a church, we partner in that work, prioritising it in our prayers, partnering with it with our pounds, supporting our associates. We must maintain that priority. And maybe you know someone who'd be a great associate. Tell them. Just imagine if William's inbox was filled tomorrow morning with a list of suggestions of potential associates as we each prayerfully look round at those who are living transformed lives. Why not send William an email? 999 emergency, we have a major problem. Do we care about the deceptive false teaching that is leading Christians and many in our nation astray? What will we do about it? We're striving for no less than the salvation of London, our nation, our world. We can push back the tide of false teaching. It is possible. Appointing transformed teachers is the essential first step to seeing that truth taught. Let's pray now for the Lord to raise up workers for the harvest field. Heavenly Father, we look out on our city and know that there are many empty talkers, deceivers, teaching a deadly false gospel that downplays the death of your most precious son. We ask that you would thrust out Bible teachers into London to teach the truth and give us boldness to live transformed lives wherever you place us, that our lives might be shining adverts of the gospel of Christ. Please save many in our city, our nation, the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.